everyone, Adam here. You know, in addition to Factually, I host a bonus podcast only available on Stitcher Premium. And it is called, in a hilarious bit of title writing, if I do say so myself, Questions and Adam. Get it? Okay, you'll love it. You're about to hear one of my very favorite episodes with my friend, Rhea Butcher. You can find the rest of these episodes exclusively on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of listening, go to stitcher.com slash premium, select a monthly plan, and enter the code FACT. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Rhea Butcher. I don't know the truth. Butcher, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Adam Conover, thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be oh, here. Well, you're here on my my new <laughs> Stitcher Premium show, and I, I always like to ask the guests how they like the title. The title of the show is Questions and Adam. What do you think? <laughs> I think my Myers, Myers, I like it. I like it. Questions and Adam. Okay, sure. I like, like the title. And Adam, not- you know? It's not so. It's not so bad. It's good. It's so good. It's bad. That's how I feel yeah, about no, that title. Yeah, I, I get you. I understand. Yeah, it's right <laughs> in that quadrant. <laughs> you do a wonderful podcast. Okay, so you've been on Adam ruins everything many I have. times. Many times. My, my my sibling. Yes. Rhea Butcher, a superstar, <laughs> uh, public defender. Yeah. Uh, is is re are Rhea Butcher and. And Adam related continues to be one of the top Google autocomplete <laughs> results for my name. If you type in Adam Conover, you'll see people asking Rhea Butcher. Wow, that's really funny. Do yeah. people still ask you about it? Because people people have stopped asking me about it. I feel like people in person. do still ask. Yeah, they do. That's funny. Um, and I, I what grant great that casting. I made it confusing because I put my real mom and right. dad on the show. Yeah, but who then, was then my mom and dad? Fake yeah. on the show. So really and confusing were, for people. And you were in the same episode as them. Yes. So and they, they were, were like, your parents and my parents, not my parents, also my parents, you know? <laughs> and my my real sister got mad about it because she was like, <laughs> my real mom and dad are on the show. Why am I not on the show? Why Everybody is there an but actor? me is in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel I don't have a good response. I don't have a good answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did she want to have like a full season arc as a as a public defender? Did your sister want to be word perfect? That I was mean, my favorite. That was my favorite arc that we ever did on the show, and you you did play my favorite recurring character that we had. I really enjoyed it, and I mean, I still, I still, I it will be at least. I mean, I feel like the the lifespan of this for me at least is. A minimum of five years, and that's being very conservative. Like, honestly, 10. Just because the show is so great and so inherently rewatchable, um, mm. it doesn't, to me, it's it's timeless in its um, information. You know what I mean? Like, there's not going to be, <laughs> yeah. at least we're not going to see it, which is fine. Well, none but- <laughs> of the problems that we talked about on the show have improved since we made the show. No, so, or... Uh- not not to the level that it would be in conflict with the information that you're getting. But even if they did, yeah. here's the thing, though, Adam, even if they do, which they will, and again, might not be in our lifetime, which is fine. That's mm-hmm. why we do it. Um, it, it. You could still see 
the information, like the information is still valuable, you know? So yes. anyway, my whole point is people still bring that up. Like I was, uh, I, I work on a show, Good Trouble. Um, and mm. one of the, the executive producers who's also like the DP, I don't know the exact title, but anyway, he was like, man, I've, I got a lot of points with my kids because they found out I'm working with you and you are on Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this uh, fun gift that keeps on giving, you know? That's wonderful. I love that. There are so many people who a lot of times when we have to, because sometimes I'm trying to get, you know, an expert onto, here's a little behind the scenes on Factually, try to get an expert onto Factually and they don't know who I am, mm. but they go ask their kids. And if their kids <laughs> yeah. know, they yeah. do the show because every parent wants to look cool to their kids. So oh, they're yeah. Like, kids. Wow. And and so that has gotten me so many experts. Um, and then, so I'm always like, you want to take a picture? You want me to record a voicemail or whatever? Because I want to, you know, I want to make these adults. I want to make these like, you know, 60 year old academics seem cool to their teenage children. Uh, <laughs> what a gift. <laughs> a mission of mine. OK, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about questions. With questions and Adam, so a question I always get and we have gotten and I'm going to put to you, this is my number one most common question that I get is people ask me, what product do I use <laughs> in my hair? Yeah. And people want to know this question from you, too, because you you yeah. also have very good hair. So yeah. tell me what product, Rhea Butcher, do you use in your hair? <laughs> people ask me this question all the time, Adam. So it's great to relate to you. Uh, and because also... Just as a side note, we both get our hair cut by the same person. Yeah. So that is, in fact, that is like a baseline sort of, um, you know, this is scientific procedure this. here. I think we talked about this when I was on your podcast, your wonderful podcast, Three Swings, about baseball. Oh, thank you. But let's talk about and it other on things. my own platform. <laughs> yeah. When I moved to Los Angeles, you were one of the first people I met because we did a stand-up oh, yeah. show. At like my second week in L.A., and I was, and I said, "You have great hair. I need a new barber." And you were like, "Go see my barber, Pony, mm -hmm. um, at, uh, at at his wonderful Folklore. place, Folklore Salon." And I went, and Pony has cut my hair <laughs> yeah. for like yeah. six years now. Yeah, it's uh it's an important starting spot, is what I would say. And <laughs> you don't have to spend a lot of money, but you do have to develop a relationship. I have learned that in my, you know, uh, what is it, tenth. Ninth year of having my hair cut by Pony. Um, it, it really yeah. does pay to have somebody who understands your hair. I know that seems yeah. very silly, but it's uh, it's not. Because, like, I have a ton of cowlicks in my hair. Like, he just knows how my hair operates so he can cut yeah. according to that. So, that being said, um, I used to use a ton of pomade. I used to use a combo of, like, Imperial Barber products, pomade, and then... Uh, light hairspray. Like I used to use all that stuff. I had terrible skin problems. So now what I use, and I've found it to be even more effective, is a very simple hair powder. That's it. Whoa. It's just like a, a styling powder. I use the brand Big Sexy Hair, and I'm sure there's better <laughs> versions that like healthier, more sustainable Brands with versions. Names. Yeah, way better names for sure. Um, and that is what I use on a pretty regular basis when I need to style my hair because it doesn't, it's not messy. Um, you, you don't need a lot and I have very thick hair. So if I put too much stuff in my hair, then I end up with just messed up hair. 
and then I need to like wash it and start all over again, which which I can do very easily. I can put too much shit in there. So I don't have that problem with the powder. Also, the benefit, if I don't wash my hair before I go to bed, I don't wake up with a greasy mess. You know, I just wake up with a frizzed out mess, which is preferable. Honestly, mm. I enjoy starting with that. So that's what I use. What do you use, Adam? I use, well, first of all, I just buy whatever Pony tells me to buy. I go yeah, in right. there and Pony's like, <laughs> yeah. you like this and I use it. And I'm fully aware that this is a scam on the part of Pony or sure, not yeah. really on his part. But like what happens is like, you know, the it's, pro- it's, very, cl- it's very clear how this works. Yeah the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the product companies come in and they say, you know, give us the shelf space and give this to your consumer. I don't know exactly what the terms of the deal are, but it's clear like, yeah. because because like I, the first year he was always recommending me imperial gel pomade, yep. and then he suddenly started recommending me a different thing instead, which was yep. much better. And I was like, okay, he was just recommending me whatever they told him to. But at the same time, it's like, what am I going to do? Like this yeah, is the yeah. expert. Um, so I uh, I use now the last the most thing he recommended me most re- recently he recommended me, I really do like it's um uh, Hans de Fuco is oh. the brand, and it's like what is it called? It's like a matte kind of paste is um, it a clay it has some grit to it yeah that's what i use for on camera stuff like on good trouble um i don't mm. know what the brand is but i think you can basically find whichever version of it that you like smells wise and looks wise and stuff but now i use a, a styling clay as opposed to like a pomade gel it yeah just th- this is a clay th- this has a clay texture what i use is one called quicksand which mm. is almost invisible once it goes in your hair they have other ones that are a little bit heavier um, and it, and here's the description it says craving that beachy textured hairstyle <laughs> with high hold. So that's sort of what it does. One part styling wax, one part dry shampoo. It says, but here's oh. the thing. Here, yeah. Here's, here's the thing. People don't know. Like they say, Adam, what product do you use in your hair? As though that is the answer to the question. Why right. does my hair look the way it does? Yeah. And that is that, not yeah. the answer. Right. Um, Which is why I led with. You got to have a person cutting your hair that knows what your hair is doing. Yes. And and also when I am on television, television, <laughs> that is like basically special effects hair. Like, you yeah, got yeah, yeah. One to two <laughs> yeah. people working on your hair for like, I'm sure when you're on camera, at least half an hour. At right? least, you're yeah. sitting there mm-hmm. and they're just doing your hair. And then in between every shot, they come up to you and they <laughs> fix your hair. Well, I will say not anymore. Have you oh, shot no? anything in the pandemic? Oh, no, not they don't. Yet. They don't do all those things. Like, I just want to mm. add because this is like, you know, behind the scenes question and answer. People are interested in facts and stuff. Usually, yes, that's the case. So if people are watching Adam Ruins Everything, people were coming in and, you know, re-adaming both of our hairs uh, in yeah. between every move we made. Um, but now you get it done at the beginning of the day. That's pretty much it. You know, like if, if you're shooting like... You know, if you're shooting the same stuff over the, it, but if I'm doing one scene and it's quick and I'm up in like a couple setups or something, I'm not getting retouches on makeup or hair. Like they wow, don't even no come last to looks. set. No last looks. There are literally wow. no last looks anymore, Adam. Like you're expected to do your own touches and stuff. Wow, which that's is pretty wild. wild. Yeah, it's wild. It is- so I'm really curious to see what TV that is produced in this era looks like compared to everything around it. Yeah. Because <laughs> HD a lot is more, a lot not more flyaways. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm like always checking. Like, there's often I'm in a scene with women with longer hair and I'm always like looking at them like, 
you know how nuts it would be to like put in a great performance and then realize at the end of it, you have a hair in your mouth. I'm always like, <laughs> Shannon, look at me, look at me. Okay. You're good. You know, like I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> I, it drives me crazy when I see, when I watch television and someone's lit from behind and they got a big fly away. I'm like, where, what? I know. That's just, I know. just from being on set. If I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't working, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't have that awareness of that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't mind it. I don't know. I love one of my favorite things that happened in the last 10 years was the Starbucks cup and the game of Thrones scene. Oh yeah. And the water bottle too. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love it so much. It's- Cause I love that even on the biggest show. First of all, yeah. I love the fact that of course, they're all standing around with Starbucks, like everybody is yeah. on every. Like they're in a fantasy land. No, they're they're standing Five around. Five minutes ago, everybody yeah. was just standing around with coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in fact, what you do it. This is what people don't realize about TV sets. When you watch somebody, you watch the most beautiful actor standing in the most dramatic scene, the most high budget thing. Wherever they are standing, there is a water bottle at their feet. Oh, they yeah. just had a drink of water and put <laughs> it on the floor. Yeah. Maybe they had to do an assistant, but I just put it on the floor. There's yeah. like trash around. There's like a cable just to their left. Oh, There's yeah. like crap everywhere. There's you know, somebody you on the- their phone with their back to them five yeah. feet away. <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. that's, that's, it's, it's always, yeah. there's always somebody right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like every, and so every actor has always just like taken a little sip of Starbucks, like right before oh, yeah. the shot. And, uh, and, and it leaked its way into it's, the fictional world. And hundreds of people looked at that shot before. So many know, like, people. That is what baffles me, Adam. And I love it. Not only did hundreds of people look at that shot and like, it's also just like, yeah, humans are very fallible and we're very mm-hmm. limited. Even if you put a hundred sets of eyeballs onto the same thing, <laughs> yeah. you will miss it because we're so, it's so ubiquitous, even in that world, you know, like yeah. to the point where it just fades into the background. And like, also not only did hundreds, like literally t- at least 200 eyeballs look at that thing. Mm-hmm. How many eyeballs on the set? yeah (laughs) how many eyeballs on the set how many people on the set just didn't see it you know and like (laughs) on something like that you just think it's so much money but you know i go to work that stuff happens at work where somebody goes oop and like you know runs in or like you just forget you have your phone in your pocket and it's like you can't yeah like even something as silly as that it's like you can't have your phone in your it's like yeah it's wild it's that was a wild a wild wild thing and then they just deleted it you want to have it everybody found it and then they just erased it and put it right back yeah no they should have left it i think they should have left it because it's such a wonderful pull back to reality of making the show like you know when you're working in tv you're aware that the fantasy world is fiction because there's a base reality here where you're just you're like i need Every single person on that set is like, I am tired. I need Starbucks. I am sweaty. Yeah. I feel like shit. Like, again, every single person you ever see on TV, their their costume in the back is held together with safety pins. You yeah. know, like, like Daenerys, she looks amazing from the front. From the back, she's got safety <laughs> pins holding her costume together. You <laughs> know, like tape. the hair was just pinned <laughs> up really quickly. And yeah. she's sweating. She has to pee and she's, you know, hasn't eaten or she just ate and she ate so much for lunch that now she's really <laughs> full gross, you know? Yeah. But yeah. every single person on set is just going, I just have to hold it together 
for the 30 seconds of this shot. Right. <laughs> and then we can move on. <laughs> So they take their sip of coffee and they put it down and they get safety pinned and they like, and then they do the shot. And that's the reality of that is the real reality of when you look at the people on screen. And I love that that real base reality leaked all the way through people's final experience of the fantasy world. That's such a beautiful thing. This is not what I intended to talk about, but but this is what's fun. Yeah, Yeah. because this is making me think of something else, Adam, which is similar, not the same, but similar to that. How like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, how the newer versions, they have like erased out the reflection of the cobra snake. <laughs> in if you remember when uh, Indiana falls into this is thrown back into the snake pit after they've gotten the Ark out of the um out of the the it's not the t- I forget what it's called. Anyway, he and Marion have got it. And so he's thrown back down into the snake pit, falls, turns around, and there's a cobra right in his face. Stunning bit of cinematography, stunning bit of storytelling, like setting you up for that moment. And like you, there was plexiglass in between Harrison Ford and the cobra snake. Like such a simple special effect. Nowadays, mm-hmm. we would just CGI the snake. It would look so real, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it, it was 1980. So yeah. <laughs> that's what they did. So there's a, a magical realism in there. And then to me, the fact that you can see the reflection, which I didn't see the first time I saw it because I was a kid and I was like into it. And then yeah. my mom waited and told me and was like, and then if you watch when we watch it again, look at that. And then I, that becomes its own story within the thing, you know? Yeah. And so similar to how you were saying, like, I wish they would have kept it in. It's like, I miss that they took that out because it was like a little story for me and a memory for me and a little, it's like its own extra thing in the movie. And like, to me, perfection it's almost like you said with the hair stuff. Like you can't just get the hair stuff and then your hair does what what it wants. It's like it is a collaboration. And so to have a collaboration have these little imperfections in it is what then creates a collaboration with the audience, with time, with experience, like all of those things. And like that is sort of what I miss when we start getting into movies that are just like purely CGI'd and you can make it do whatever you want. There's no goofs or mess ups to read on IMDb. It's just like, what was the box office? What was the budget? Cool. Great. See you later. Like, it's just not fun anymore, you know? Yeah. The the interaction with the reality is like part of the, part of the story and the physicality of it. And, you know, it's uh, I hope we I've always been hoping that we're going to return to realer special effects. And I think we oh, are yeah. a little bit like one of my favorite things. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about the Star Wars sequels. One of the things I liked about them was they had a lot of physical effects and a lot of physical totally. props like the little droid. The little basketball droid is a physical prop, not a CGI prop. And it looks so much better. You mean BB-8? Are you referring BB-8? to BB-8 as a basketball? BB- yeah, well, that's why they that's why I <laughs> well, call them I love BB-8. It. No, no, why no, I mean, I love it. It looks like a basketball. Basketball. Um, it's it's a physical prop that they've physically moved around. It's like, it's, yeah. it's practically out of, you know, in the original Star Wars, it's all Jim Henson, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All, all that sort of thing. And it, lo- guess what? It really does look realer, you know, because oh, it yeah. is real and it has physical imperfections to it. And there's, you know, I'm you not like, feel it. oh, CGI is terrible, but no. um, like, I it's think it's gotten so to- much better. Yeah. CGI has. But Real, it has gotten much better, but there is still no replacement for the messiness of reality. And this is not mm-hmm. like a film versus digital thing, because that no. I'm not even on, on that. It's like 
when things are physical in the real world, there's so much more dimension and information to them than something that you can create. And I love things that are digitally creative. I love video games and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But I am so like, I thought at the beginning of the pandemic, I would play more video. I'd be happy to play so many video games. And now I don't want to play any video games because all of my existence is digitally mediated right now. And it's like, it feels like there's a paucity of information and stuff and things to do in it. Uh, What I want is the real world. I want to go out and, you know, go like sit on a bus and like, you know, it's kind of dirty and grimy in a very specific way that that bus is and no other bus in the entire world is, you know, (laughs) yeah, like I want that experience. Um, And so maybe I don't know. My hope is after, you know, people are able to go out again, that will 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 have a simultaneous uh, society wide refocusing on the benefits of reality and in person experience mm-hmm. over digital substitutes. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, we, it, nothing ever happens a hundred percent or zero percent. You know what I mean? So, like, the entire population is not going to have the same experience of it. But I cannot imagine that. Um, going through this pandemic specifically um, is not going to have, I mean, it's obviously going to have effects that we wouldn't have otherwise experienced, right? If it hadn't happened, Mm -hmm. but we were already beginning to get to a point where the like immersion in sort of second screen experience, like all that's like everything is mediated by digital, like you said, and so I do feel like there will be a large portion of the population or the portion of the experience of the population, I say, I guess I should mm-hmm. say, where the need for direct experience, direct physical experience of each other and our world um, will be cranked up, you know, because yeah. I just think people are you know it, it's funny to me like i consider it and i ponder it when i'm like washing the dishes and stuff and i think about how you know like i i feel as though through the like obama years we were um sort of like lamenting the like artisanal hipster and all this stuff and like not unwarranted however you know like there's a shop in my neighborhood that is like hipster and all this stuff but what i realized is oh it's a general store and because mm-hmm. of because of all this progress, because of all this stuff, we don't have general stores anymore that I can just walk into <laughs> and there's bulk products and I don't have to buy a plastic thing. You know, like <laughs> my willingness to just buy plastic all the time is ridiculous. You know, like and yeah, I, yeah. I know this doesn't relate to the but but it's like it's all related to me, you know, like where we just got so mechanicalized with everything and everything is just like numbers on a screen and it's like I think people want to experience the world. I think we mm-hmm. ultimately no deeply in our soul. That is what we've been given. We've been given all of this, but I just can't imagine that, you know, VR is where we're all going to want to <laughs> live now. Like that's yeah. what everybody thought. And it's like, well, I think it's just part of it. I think VR yep. is just like a possibility. Yeah. You know, I want VR. I mean, I have, I have a VR headset. I want to use VR even less than I did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, like at least in you know it, uh, you know when I'm stuck in my house, and the reason again is not to poo poo digital experience, and I don't even I don't even like the division of saying oh there's a difference between reality and the internet. They're both reality. No, they're obviously. both reality. Yeah, exactly. But like 
Okay, so I think a fundamental thing that humanity does is we create experiences for each other that are mediated and specific, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. you can go eat, um, you know, a piece of fruit that you picked in the forest, or you can eat like a candy bar that a human <laughs> made for you that appeals to all the other, all the same, yeah. you know, uh, uh, senses, but in this very specific way that's designed to elicit a specific reaction, right? And that, for instance, is what a video game is. It's a whole world mm-hmm. that someone has created for you to have fun in. And that's extremely fun to like go explore you know, someone else's mind, someone else's idea of what a fun experience would be, but is fundamentally limited because, you know, that's what, that's what it is. It's this sort of Mm -hmm. narrowing of, we're going to give you a lot of some narrow stuff that we think, because we are also humans, you'll enjoy the world. When you walk out into it, isn't that it's just randomness. It's crazy shit happening. It's like, it's not for you. You know, you go out in the woods and it's not like made to design. It's not ma- you know. It's not designed to elicit some specific reaction from you. It's it's lumpy. It's not always efficient. <laughs> it's like you know. But it's also serendipitous. Yeah. Things happen that you don't expect. Uh, and you know that is the that is the experience of. That's why you know real <laughs> bring it back to real life special effects. Like you can't get every single little thing right. That's no. what's good about it. Cause it's happening in the real world. Ooh, another good example of this is like, I learned um, like in, like in pinball, pinball competitions, right? I like, do you know how much I, I love like, pinball? You love pinball. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Change my life. Pinball changed my life. So yes, oh, just wanted gosh. to put that in there. I didn't know pinball changed your life. How did it oh, change yeah, your life? Huge. Uh, I started playing it with a really good friend. Not only did like our, our relationship grow and evolve around it, but I just really loved to me. Pinball is there's so much possibility in it and mm-hmm. you can just walk up to a, to a, a machine and you can put a quarter in. Obviously this is a metaphor, but cause it's more than that now, but, and you can just, hit the flippers and just make the ball go around. And it's so much fun. Or you can yeah. go like, Oh, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what does the slowly, game want me to do? Yeah. but uh, surely you can start to, you can do one thing over and over and over and over and over and over again and win the game. Or you can yeah. do one thing and see what that leads to and see, Oh, 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 Oh. It's like this world that un- can unfold in front of you the more you do it. And so I just really enjoyed that experience of, it was like, an, it, it's like a time travel thing for me. Cause when I was a kid, no concept of pinball, nobody showed me how it worked other than you hit these buttons and then the flippers go. So I had yeah. no idea there was like a point, you know, or like a <laughs> strategy. To, to yeah. It. Yeah. And so it was just like a fun, loud thing. And it was old, you know, um, cause arcade games were new then. Or like stand-up games. And so yeah. now it's like, oh, wait, this this has like a whole world to it. And I didn't yep. know. And now I'm open to it. Um, and, you know, there's like a beauty in the art and the design. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, there's community around it and like all kinds of stuff. And so anyway, it's just a lot of fun. And like to me, it's very similar to baseball. I have a similar relationship to it, which is that. I love it. And then I love sharing that love with other people. Yeah. And if they, when they get, if, and when they get on board, it's just very rewarding. Not because yes. I've converted somebody, but because we get to share something together. Like it yes. feels, they're very kindred spirits in my world. That is how I feel. Uh, <laughs> well, I love pinball and I love this all This is why games. we're siblings, I'm a, Adam. <laughs> I'm a, this is why we're siblings. I'm a game, I'm a game guy. 
And I love, I grew up loving video games, and then I was introduced to pinball in college. And what I love about pinball specifically is that it's physical as opposed yes. to video games. It is, it, is a, it is one of the very few games, you know, in terms of a designed game, not like baseball, but a, 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 you know, a designed experience like a video game or a board game or something like that, where you're really manipulating the, the movement of physical objects in this mm -hmm. constrained space. And... Uh, the physicality means that weird shit happens. Like sometimes yeah. when you're playing pinball. I mean, it sounds like you just described the, baseball. Just to just to say, <laughs> but baseball, but baseball is a little different because it's a it it, it is a competition between multiple people that has rules. It, it's a, as opposed to someone will come out with a new pinball machine that says, okay, what if we have the player do this? What if we have sure, the player yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's fundamentally an experience about well, fun. And novelty. You, yeah. Have you checked out Banana Ball, Adam? Because that no. is actually sort of creating the the little tangent world experience that you're talking mm. about. And I don't know. I don't have all the rules uh, memorized yet. But there's a minor league team in Savannah, Georgia, named the Bananas, and they their their owner, president, I forget who what he is, GM, uh, invented like a new version of baseball called Banana Ball, where. Um, <laughs> It's it's fundamentally restructuring the game in a way to make it more fun and exciting, and it looks like way more fun and exciting. <laughs> and because each inning is is a is a game essentially, mm -hmm. you're playing to win the inning, and then at the end, the team with the most innings wins, as opposed to the team with the most runs through nine innings wins. Um, this also, is this is great. The, the rule that I enjoyed the most that I've seen on Instagram that is the most fun is when you get walked, you run the bases to see how far you can get before the, I believe the entire field throws the ball around the horn. I mean, that's the wrong phrase, but they have to throw the ball between all of them. And then wherever yeah. you are, that's where you get to end up. So lots of triples out of walks, you know, <laughs> that's great. That's yeah, great. I mean, it's, it's just, just making a, the game like faster, like pinball. It's just adding those yeah. kinds of things where like okay. crazy shit can happen. So I'm just, you know. Well, so it I, does I apply. You. It does apply because, okay, so uh, I'm sorry. This comparison I want to make does apply because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm coming to my point about pinball. Yes, yes. Um, sorry, Adam. <laughs> when you, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. When you play pinball, uh, weird shit can happen. Like if, as you're playing, some some the ball takes a weird carom. Like yeah. ninety percent of the time, it's the same. But the ball takes a weird carom and it hits the glass and bounces, yeah. or it gets stuck under a under a trap door or something, right? And uh, one of the things I love is that in competitive pinball, all that stuff is real. Like if you like in a video game, if there's a bug, you'd say, okay, you know what, that doesn't count. Let's start over. In pinball, if the ball gets stuck. They hey pinball is a physical game. Mm -hmm. They uh the, you know that's part of your run of that game. Like yeah. that is there is something specific and weird about a real ball bouncing around that cannot be duplicated digitally because unpredictable things can happen. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, the same is true of baseball. That like the you know baseball all the stadiums are different. You know yeah. all the uh the the you know ball can take a weird carom that. Yeah, strange shit. Off of a rock. There was a infield ground ball like that it literally slithered out to the outfield. I think it was I think it was in Minnesota or I can't remember where. We've but literally like, shared three times that weird things happened oh, since the beginning of the baseball season, which was a couple days ago. Oh yeah. Um, it been, just started all kinds of weird shit. You know, so like everything it, the humidity in the air changes the game. You know what I mean? So yeah. like you can you can lose a baseball game to the weather. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. like, and then to the other team. But you can hit five home runs that don't carry out that on any other day would and lose the game. Yeah. So similar. I, I see I see your differences, but I feel there's more similarities than differences. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> because you're like right. pinball is totally mechanical and so is baseball. Because if you think about baseball and you think mm-hmm. about the way people talk about pitching and hitting and throwing, it's all about mechanics. Yes. Well, this is a good place to go to our plug. Tell us about your baseball podcast. So, people Oh, it is a great place. What a beautiful segue, Adam. Um, my podcast is called Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. I do talk about other stuff on there. So if you're like, I hate baseball, I don't want to listen to baseball for an hour. That's not the only thing I talk about. So I talk about baseball. I talk about different kinds of baseball, like banana ball, like uh, women's uh, NCAA softball. Like I talk about all kinds of stuff. And it's just from a different you know, lens than the typical da- data-driven sabermetrics, ESPN, MLB Network, even you know, ringer stuff where it's n- just not the same. I talk about the social aspects of the game. Yes. Um, all kinds of stuff. And also, uh, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but it doesn't matter. The the most recent episode to me, I had a guest on my podcast na- named Iman, who is a displaced uh, resident of Echo Park Lake, and he yeah. shared his story, his experience of that community, and then also, you know, the the LAPD military occupation by uh, Mitchell Farrell. So he shared his experience of that on my podcast, which I'm very grateful for. Um, yeah. So definitely check at least that episode out because I want Iman's story to get out there. You know, Rio Butcher, thank you so much for being here. This was a delight. Yeah, it was so great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me on to to talk one question. <laughs> yeah, we had one question that took us then, on the whole Then we just <laughs> talked about everything. <laughs> I appreciate you and your friendship. Yeah, man, I appreciate you too. <laughs>